Why struggle through a post-merger integration when you can glide through it? Why deal with the PMI integration challenges when you can overcome them even before they occur? Why move slow when you can move at pace? What are the world's leading PMI experts doing right now to achieve profit accelerating integrations? This podcast will give you all the answers to these questions and many more. My name is Dudley Peacock and welcome to the 100 Days and Beyond podcast. Welcome everyone to another episode of 100 Days and Beyond. Uh, the, the, the podcast that's dedicated to merger and acquisition um, specialists, I would say the fraternity that is heavily involved in, in uh, post-merger integrations and post-acquisition integrations, but also the, those people that are uh, deeply intrigued by this uh, specific, I would say, uh, discipline, uh, this special place where people dwell and, and enjoy their lives, um, although they could be challenged. You're selling it well, Dudley. You're selling I'm selling it well. it well. I'm selling it well. So Adam, yeah, Adam Smith has joined me today, and um, I'm really looking forward to it. Adam is a strategic, um, senior strategic business leader, delivering turnarounds, which we definitely need to talk about. And um, I thought that was going to be quite a key thing. Um, growth and transformational change, formerly UKMD and group board uh, a member at, at Valcon, which you have to just have a chat about that as well. And then premium operations consultancy combined with deep technology and data skills, because data these days is, uh, well, probably for the last few years has been quite key and is getting more so as, as we go. So turnarounds, data, and quite a lot of other things. So Let's um, let's kick off, Adam. Uh, welcome to the show, first of all. Well, and thank you for inviting me. Great to be on the show and part of the community. And uh, yeah, looking forward to having a chat. Yeah, looking forward to the chat too. So, Adam, tell us a little bit about the, your background. Um, you know, you, one doesn't generally just happen into this uh, world. Uh, I think that, you know along the way one gets drawn into it for some some or other reason. So so give us that that space. So how did you how did you move into it and how did you get uh, drawn into into yeah, this? World? It probably means I was in the wrong place at the wrong time. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, just share something of my background. I've been in and around the technology sector pretty much all of my career, and that sort of technology from the ground up. So telcos, mobile and fixed data center businesses, outsourcers, uh, integrators, software businesses. Uh, so I sort of worked up and down the, the stack, if you like. Uh, also had forays into other sectors as well, particularly uh, property and, and a few other areas. I've been very fortunate in my career that it's taken me all over the world, uh, both sort of traveling to work as well as living. Uh, so I lived in Hong Kong for a few years, US twice, uh, Dubai, uh, and then the Netherlands, a bit closer to home, I suppose, and now firmly ensconced back in uh, back in the back in the UK. Uh, I've had many roles in that time across the customer lifecycle, from sales, business development to customer care. So I've been in the situation where clients have been screaming down the phone at me, it's not working, uh, and. To answer your question, I suppose more and more as you're involved in, in business, businesses looking to grow. There's, I suppose, two key ways of looking to grow. One is, of course, is to sell more in terms of the customers you've got. And secondly, is to look to expand by acquiring businesses and adding them to your, your capabilities. Mm. And most recently, uh, which I finished a few months ago, I was the UKMD of a consultancy called Valcon, uh, backed by a private equity organization called Waterland. And a big part of what we did was helping customers digitize. And to your earlier point, that means, of course, then you've got lots of data to manage. And of course, we were looking to grow on the back of the private equity investment. So we were acquiring businesses. But my experience in integration really sort of ranges from multinational corporates all the way through to sort of, I suppose, smaller PE-backed businesses that are looking to grow and, the, you know, the different challenges that you encounter then when you're in those different situations. Because they're all got different dynamics. So if you have a corporate acquirer as opposed to private equity, um, and also depends on on the entity that's being targeted. If it's heavy and uh, there's a big need, let's say a heavy reliance on technology to make it work, 
some some industries are less so more people orientated for instance but i think across the board technology is playing a massive role what i do want to just kick off and and and, and use this as a as sort of a let's call it a launch pad and and the 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 thing that really interests me is is the turnaround side of things you know as part of um an integration and maybe if you can just give us a little bit of a, a flavor around that because if you're acquiring a distressed business for instance or even if you are going into a distressed business to turn it around in order to make it saleable for instance or you getting it ready mm -hmm. for sale it's not making profits potentially the balance sheet looks terrible the uh, let's call it management or the or the shareholding and or the owners owners are feeling a distressed too <laughs> everyone's sort of in a in the space yeah, where everyone's in panic yeah yeah so i mean we i mean i'm just painting the picture in terms of turnaround yeah we here we go you go into this entity and you say okay if it's a target entity there must be a particular reason why you would buy a distressed business for instance or if it's one that you want to turn around in order to offload but knowing the value it's got no value nobody wants to buy a distressed business really unless they want to pay a pound for it or just take over the debt, hmm. I imagine. So tell us a little bit about that and, and how that sort of relates to integrations and, and, and even your career. I think you, you hit the nail on the head when you use the word the why. So I suppose the, the first thing in any of those situations is to, is to understand the why. And the why starts with why, why is this business attractive to anyone? You know, try and put to one side its current you know financial state what you know what's it got in terms of you know capability or proposition that makes it attractive either from a strategic point of view in terms of direction of travel you know from a market point of view in terms of uh, what the market is going to be asking for in terms of you know, services or capabilities uh also i suppose the why in terms of you know how can it complement the the services and the, and the capabilities that that you already have and I suppose if I look at what the mission and the journey that we're on at Falcon, I suppose that was the sort of the key part of bringing together operational consulting, digital capabilities and data capabilities, because that really brought together sort of, you know, something that was synergistic from a, from a client point of view. And I suppose that's typically in any scenario when, uh, when, when, when I arrive and I think if I look back on my career, you know, I always think there's sort of two kinds of people in life, people who, you light the light the fire. There's a <laughs> there's a problem. What do we need to do? How can we how can we put it out and then running towards it? And I'm definitely in that that camp and want to understand the why in terms of what, why are we doing it. And then when you're looking at the business itself, I suppose you're also asking the why question in in a slightly different context in terms of okay, what why is the the business currently struggling? You know, is it is it a customer? issue in terms of we're not winning business and if we're not winning it you know why or clients leaving and do we understand enough about that and I suppose if, if any scenario because I've sort of arrived in a number of situations where the business isn't going as well as people would like is you've got to understand the why from a customer perspective why they're not buying and also from a individual internal perspective in terms of talking to people who are should we say living and breathing it on a day-to-day -day basis mm -hmm. uh, to understand what you know what they see the problems are and the, and, and the challenges and they, yeah, and they could be, you know, many from uh, from my from my experience. Yeah, and and I also think often, uh, yeah, and this is just probably uh, broad brushing it a little too much, but um, just to use, um, I think Peter Drucker may have said this. You know, the uh, the the purpose of a business is to acquire customers and to fulfil their needs. And in, in, in my mind, often um, when a business goes into some kind of distressed state, um, it's getting one of those two wrong. It's not acquiring sufficient customers. And if, if it is, it's not fulfilling their needs properly. In other words, the operations and, and, and the way that it's dealing with its customers are not good enough. So customers are leaving. Potentially, it's not enough recurring in, income or not enough in terms of resales, et cetera. So that, that, that would be sort of, sort of my go-to point would be let, why are the customers not pouring cash into this business in the first instance? You know, where's yeah, where oh, the well, I, I totally agree with you, yeah. And uh, I suppose to build on that is, it's yeah, what problem are we solving? How are we making things 
you know, easier, faster, cheaper, smarter from a client perspective. Uh, and typically, I suppose if you're in a customer supplier situation, are you doing it on the basis that they couldn't do it themselves? Because you know, I suppose in any scenario, uh, you know, the client always has the sort of the, either the do nothing scenario, which of course we don't like, or I'm going to try and do it myself. Which I suppose you know, either of them, if you're in the in the on the supplier side of the fence, is not a good outcome. <laughs> uh, but I suppose at, at least there are times where I used to think, well, if they're going to try and do it themselves, maybe they won't succeed, so there'll still be a chance to come back later <laughs> and help well, them well, uh, yeah, recover, recover think, the situation. Yeah, I think there's also this um, this notion of if I could just employ someone, you know, just to help me along for something in, interim or just a part time, just to help me over this 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 gap or whatever it is. Um, I, I want to go into um, the the re-energizing of teams that you talk about the step change in business performance and so on and and if we if we sort of stick to that sort of turnaround theme, mm -hmm. uh, we are talking about integration work and integration work often is is bringing in new systems processes, doing the transformation, that sort of thing. You talk a lot um, in in your um, uh, in your profile, you, you, you talk about the turnaround from negative to, uh, I think there's a negative 1 million pound to a positive 1 million EBITDA. I mean, that's, that's, that's probably, you know, that's, a, that's a huge jump. I mean, that's, that, that's significant going from a loss making entity where probably nobody wants to fund it. Nobody wants to provide any capital. Nobody wants to work there because they see the sink, this uh, ship is sinking. Um, and then you talk about re-energizing teams, sort of just, you know, how do you do that? I mean, what is the, what's the secret sauce with your, with your Mr. Fix-It? Because I think when I chatted to you, um, what came up was, was you really are a Mr. Fix-It. And, and tell us what your, what the secret well, sauce I, is. I think that. that probably dates back when I was, you know, still in, still in short trousers. You know, I was one of those children that loved to puzzle, loved to fix things. And I think, you know, my, Parents learn pretty quickly. If you want to keep me quiet, you know, get me some puzzle or something like that. To, you know, Christmas morning to fix, and you probably wouldn't get a peep out of me for about three days till I made it work and got that last piece to sort of to to slot in. So uh, I suppose I suppose the first thing for me is to is to try and unravel the puzzle in terms of what's happening within within the business in terms of uh, from the, the dynamics of the business. Uh, we touched on earlier what's happening from a client perspective. Uh, uh, and then almost like, you know, walking on a journey uh, through the business in terms of spending time talking to people, understanding, you know, where the challenges are, you know, where do they see the roadblocks, what's what's causing us problems, where are we, you know, lo losing money in terms of, because uh, uh, I suppose the first point, part of any turnaround is to, one is to understand, you know, well, so where is the money going hmm. in terms of, you know, what's happening, who are we working with in terms of partnerships? Uh, so you can you know, potentially aren't giving us what we need, but I suppose ideally it can help us can help us grow because uh, I think you know any any business ultimately is part of an ecosystem uh, in terms of you know the work that you do for your clients, you're part of their ecosystem, and in turn you know you like to think you've got partners as well that can help you uh, and be part and be part of theirs. Uh, so that's and to do that and the technology helps us now massively to be able to sort of to do that in terms of whether that's team sessions to try and get you know people together uh i suppose you know before covid i suppose my you know my, my go-to was always to have you know round tables coffee sessions and almost like you know no holds barred just <laughs> i'm new tell me what's <laughs> tell me where the problems are um mm. so, you know it can form uh, my opinion in terms of you know whether i believe everything that everyone sort of tells me in those sort of situations but i suppose my my background in terms of the sort of, you know, the different roles I've had through the life cycle, I think there aren't any, well, probably finance and HR, although I spend, of course, a huge amount of time working with professionals in those areas, are probably about the two jobs that I haven't had in terms of, you know, as a job title, mm. but clearly, you know, in any in any business, uh, you know, the finances and the finance team are vital in terms of the how we're doing and how we're doing from a cash flow point of view and from an HR point of view. Uh, from a people point of view, in terms of morale and skills, in terms of what we've got, and you, you touched on it as well. As well, mm. the people want to feel like they're part of a ship that's got a future. What, mm. What's the what's the direction of travel? 
and you know is my is my career going to be on, on the right track by staying here and getting people together to un, to, to buy into you know, where we as a business are going to focus our areas because i think you have to make choices and back to your point on sort of you know integration it's also it's about choices you make mm. choices in terms of where to focus your efforts because you can't do everything mm. uh and i've seen a number of scenarios where you know organizations have tried to do everything and too much and part of the role that I was playing was to hold the mirror up and sort of say, well, these are all the things that we're doing at the moment. That seems a lot to me. So let's focus where we think we can make the most most difference. And I suppose I could always come back to clients and people. So, uh, you know, where are the clients that uh, are still with us? Why are they still with us? Is the more that we can do to help them and become uh, more integrated with their business. And then from a people point of view, have we got the, you know, the right people with the right skills and I suppose in the right drive, because you know, mm. let's be honest, you know, being in business is it's tough. Uh, and I suppose the, yeah, and at the moment, I suppose it's almost like it's tougher than it's ever, it's ever been, not because there isn't necessarily work around, but just because there's such a shortfall of talent. So everyone is <laughs> competing and trying to attract the same group of people. So it's, you know, it's mm. tough to win business, keep customers, and it's tough to keep people motivated and driven and feeling like that, you know, from a career point of view that, you know, their path is on the same path as the company's, you know, that uh, term, you know, the psychological contract in terms of people have with the business that they feel like they're still connected to this business is going to help them grow as individuals. And if I look at all the work I've done over the years, one of the things that uh, I, I say to people is experience is one thing that no one can take away from you. So it's, you know, it's important that people keep thinking about, you know, everything you're involved in is experience that's going in your, in your toolkit <laughs> for future use. And uh, there's no substitute for sort of experience and, and know-how in terms of, you know, what works and what doesn't work and uh, to allow people to, to, gr to grow because okay, I, I can come in, I like to see myself as a catalyst, a change agent who can help re-energize and drive the business forward. But you know, there's, there's only so many hours in the day and days in the week for any one individual. So mm. how do you then get people on board and energized to help drive the business forward? Yeah, I, I mean, as, as you speak, I mean, I, I, I'm resonating with everything you're saying. And it, it is that uh, that thing about experience, you know, it is that thing about um, but how do you gain experience? Experience is gained often at the coalface. Experience is gained uh, probably most when you have problems and challenges. Um, experience is not gained necessarily when things are going smoothly. It's it's when there's yeah, when yeah, there's things really when things point, are yeah. going wrong. <laughs> I'm just, uh, yeah, and in that situation, I think it always it's it's helpful to have then a fresh pair of eyes and ears uh, to act as a sounding board uh, so that people can sort of talk things through and, you know, you can play back and say, well, okay, what would you do if, if you were me in terms of, because I suppose there's a lot of times when you come in as a sort of the senior leader or the, the MD who's going to save everything and save everyone, you sometimes have to turn it around with people and say, okay, well, if, if you were in charge, what would you do? Where do you think we should start? What should we focus on? Why? Okay, I suppose the why is all, all the time. And same when you're looking at things from a from an integration point of view. You know, where do we want to focus our, our efforts, and what will give us the mo most benefit? In my experience, is that sometimes people get too focused really on the synergy case in terms of why have we done this, and mm -hmm. less so on the on the value it's going to create from a client point of view, and also from a, a people point of view in terms of. Uh, the career opportunities it could present to people in terms of you know new career paths uh, and, and that sort of thing so uh, mm. it's like i suppose you, it's about making choices and uh, but we're trying to make those choices in a balanced way so you're not sort of you know all focused on oh we're going to spend all our time merging erp systems well i mean it's also yeah, <laughs> it's ability to um to decide on what the priorities are to um, allocate sufficient time because um, in, in reality, I imagine in practice, um, most of the people have day jobs anyway. They're still trying to keep the ship afloat. They're still trying to keep uh, customers happy. And, you know, in your, 
in your in your first few minutes when you said you know you also have been in the position where customers pick up the phone and shout at you um you know what that's like and and often in a in an in an entity that's struggling to to get by you know you tend to then cut costs you cut sometimes the places where um uh where it means now that staff are being more overloaded potentially with more manual work um you know where you could you had maybe a system with that you had to let go but now it's doubled up on on the amount of work or pressure they have or they've lost data or information that they should have had or people have left so it is it's it's, a, it's i'm sure it's a it's a quite a, a a challenge to get into those spaces i want to ask you though adam and you know just from a um from a Mr. Fix-It kind of guy, and I know you sit around and understand sort of the, the problems and that, but do you have a, a, a blueprint? Do you have something that you could say, look, generally these are the things we do first, then next, then next? I mean, if you do you have a framework or something that you work according to that you know generally if you do these three, four, five, six things that you'll get to an outcome? Uh, or do you sort of take that as a per situation or unique situation process give me give me your sort of your you know your mantra there if you like yeah i, I wouldn't say i necessarily have a blue a blueprint in terms of you know a, a formula this is the the way to do it because i think as you touched on every business has its you know has its un uniqueness in terms of you know its history where it where it finds itself you know as you touched on you know is it recently acquired business uh you know what's its its, its provenance uh which will sort of you know impact its you know its culture and the, and the dynamics of it uh that said uh i think there are some, some, some things that are always you know important to, to focus in on first and uh and i think i touched on some of it earlier customers uh the lifeblood of uh, any business as someone uh, I worked with many years ago in, in the US said sales dimensions the rest of the business and it's so true <laughs> you know, so if, you, if you're not winning business or you're losing customers then clearly that you know has a major major sort of impact so uh, the step one is always understand what's the customer dynamic uh, and you know what relationships we have uh, at what level do we have those those relationships and so that's sort of the first thing and then next is what's in the pipeline what have we got coming uh, and within those those opportunities, you know, which are the ones that we you know we see as the the most likely, so that you know, ultimately, I suppose they they become the must wins. And what are we going to how are we going to make sure that we win that? Mm. Uh, and then what rhythms are we putting in place uh, behind that to support the people that are in the front line to make sure they win them? In terms mm. of you know whether that's the you know, contractual terms point of view. What do we offer? You know, commercially, what can we do? You know, what are we doing to differentiate ourselves? Uh, so, you know, and those are things that I suppose I think I bring a lot to the party in terms of sort of being customer-facing roles. Also, you know, as a team, let's talk through what what we think we can do. Secondly, I suppose is the cost base. Where you know what have we got today? And uh, I, I totally agree with you that trying to sort of cut your way to victory rarely works uh okay it might make the numbers look good but if it creates huge amounts of operational pain and customer experience pain then all you're going to end up doing is reinforcing the customers are leaving mantra because you know the service is not great and secondly you're going to encourage more more people out the door because they say well i'm not, not going to work here anymore i'm going to try and work somewhere else where at least <laughs> i've got the tools to do the job and i suppose and sometimes you could be in a situation where you actually end up needing to rather than sort of cut and reduce costs in certain areas you need to spend more uh, to make sure that you're you know delivering in it and delivering this maximum value and positive experience to the customers you have got to keep them on board ideally i suppose locking them into longer term contracts as well if you can do that uh, uh, and then from a, a future point of view in terms of what's the What's the value proposition that we're going to focus on going forward? What's going to make us unique or different from a business point of view, which then leads to the you know the people scenario in terms of sort of how do you communicate this is the plan and this is what it's going to mean for them and this is how we're going to sort of you know, plot our way through the 
the stormy waters. I, I can't sit here and say, unfortunately, that it doesn't mean that sometimes people do have to uh, you know, leave the business or you should I say their career path is maybe going in a different direction to ours. And that's not necessarily their, their fault uh, as individuals. It's just the reality of where the business finds itself in and what skills it needs at that point in time, either to sort of get it through the storm uh, as well as then from a sort of a future point of view in terms of the future direction of travel. So yeah, unfortunately, you do find yourself having to make some difficult decisions from a people and a, and a leadership point of view. But again, in my, in my experience, it, it's probably more in the area of the sort of, have we got the right leadership in place than it is, or you know, how can we get away with having half the number of people in customer service <laughs> or sales or wherever it happens to be? <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, what what um, what I'd like to ask you, if I I mean, if I read some of the some of the things in your in your um, LinkedIn profile, you talk about um, your earlier career includes vice president, business transformation roles with BT Global Services. I mean, that's a large scale. I mean, that's a complex entity, plus uh, senior uh, customer uh, leadership roles at Colt Cable and Wireless, um, based in the USA and Hong Kong. Uh, subsequently established Matchpoint Consulting, completing a diverse range of interim and transformation assignments. Uh, Thomson Reuters, uh, Equinox, HP Enterprise uh, Services, and even Sage, um, which has also been through its ups and downs over the <laughs> yeah. over the last five to ten years, um, and internationally. Yeah? I mean, I, I suppose where the where it's going is it, it appears to me, and maybe you could sort of shed a bit of light on that. That that, that your style is very much more an engagement style. It's a leadership style, if you like, and the way that you work with, with, with clients and with, uh, with employees and with companies and so on. I mean, could, could you give me what's, what is your definition, the difference between sort of leadership and management? Sort of how do you, how do you go from leading to driving the, the, the change? So there's, there's stuff from the front you can do and there's stuff that you have to do from behind. So give us give us a bit of that sort of what's your <laughs> what's your rule of thumb with that lot? <laughs> yeah, well, I think yeah, first and foremost, yeah, I think I'm I'm a people person, and I'll be honest that you know COVID and the whole lockdown sorry was was a challenge for me. And I suppose you have to sort of then adapt to the sort of person you are in terms of trying to be more interactive and collaborative with people on on teams, uh, which I suppose people I was probably working with at the time. Probably didn't like because then you could get random calls from Adam just to see how it's going, which they could probably have done without at the time. Uh, so you know, I liked in get, engaging with people, talking to people. You know, so that's that's why I enjoy you know the customer side of things in terms of understanding you know where the problems are and how we can help fix them. But I suppose from a leadership point of view, I suppose the first and foremost, you know, the role of the leader is to, is to create the right environment. Uh, in terms of so people feel like they you know they listen to uh, that they have a say and can part and participate in the decision making process doesn't mean necessarily everything they put forward is going to be agreed with uh, but at least they feel they feel like they're, they're contributing rather than just sort of being told what to do all the time uh, and I suppose within that then there's also the scenario where people aren't going to get it right all the time mm. and you know how do we create an environment where that people are Realize that okay, if, if I made the wrong decision, why did I make the wrong decision? Because uh, again, I suppose we don't always have crystal balls <laughs> to know that every decision we can make is the right one. And in some respects, I'm, I'm from the, the school that uh, you know a decision is better than no decision. In terms, because mm. again, we, particularly get into the big sort of huge corporate environment, and uh, as you say, when I listen to it, yeah, well, of course, I work for a lot of big businesses, and yeah, decision making in those businesses is difficult. Uh, I used to refer to sort of you know, the, the three-month lever. You know, we're going to do something in terms of decision and sort of further lever, and then we'll see what impact is that in three months, because that's you know how long it sometimes can take for the organisation to adjust to that decision, or it reaches the you know the furthest points of of the organisation on the global. You think, yeah, someone like yeah, BT, you know, Sage operate in many many countries uh, typically as well. They were sort of acquired businesses, so much you can do a lot to engage with that with those teams and again pre-covid like to be in a situation where you can sort you know turn up and meet people on the ground you can do a lot as well now on on teams and the technology is super so it, it doesn't kind of matter where people are and you can bring 
people together. But whereas, of course, management, that's the sort of, you know, just managing people's tasks. You know, have you done it yet? <laughs> what are you doing tomorrow, et cetera, which I suppose in certain instances, if, you know, if there are key things that we need to get done, then some sort of governance, you know, is required. But, you know, my, my in, initial style is always to, to work on the basis that if you need help, ask. Hmm. And it's not a crime to ask for help because you know we don't expect everyone to know everything. Uh, but, but sometimes it's too long. Could be yeah, other, but, the other but part of that people... story is that bad news does not get better with time. So no, 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 exactly. Let's, <laughs> let's talk about it. Yeah, and and sometimes people think that um, that if they you know if they try to just work it out themselves, um, it does tend to just make the problem worse. It's, it's how quickly you can engage. And, but I suppose as a leader, what you're trying to do is, is open up the doors of communication. You're trying to get people to be comfortable with sharing ideas, no matter what, you know, or, or what ideas they are, um, no matter if it uh, uh, applies or not. I'm just, I want to, I want to yeah, just focus look at it from on... a, yeah, from a sort of integration point of view in terms of, yeah, it's engaging with people in terms of, uh, so we're looking to be more efficient, you know, part of the reason of sort of bringing, these businesses together is that we want to be more efficient. So, okay, then where where are the opportunities to do that? You know, systems is you know is, is the one that normally comes you know, first down the list. But there's also you know <laughs> partnerships uh, that we have, and yeah, how do we, how do we get more more efficient? Uh, mm. How can we leverage the capabilities we have to do more from a client point of view? And that's the area I suppose I always traditionally like to focus on in terms of from a client go to market how can we use the new capabilities we have to do to do more deliver more value for our clients and i suppose by inference then become a bigger part of their of their ecosystem in terms of how we help can't be successful yeah I, i'm just i i want to i mean yeah that i mean that's a very valid point and, and yeah maybe that relates a lot to to i mean if i look at some of the contract assignments that you've had uh, between 2007 2019 you've worked with you're making say, me feel old now <laughs> <laughs> well not really i mean if you think youtube and i think facebook and and a lot of those only started in 2006 if you think about it i mean they they're not that that old are they i mean it's they just just uh, that, that was just the other day i think <laughs> um, anyway mccarthy stone fiber nation um, uh, travel port uh, Tele2, Lloyd's Register, Sage Integration Lead, etc. And maybe if I if I narrow it down to Sage, and we talk about, I mean, Sage is is one of those entities that um, there's a lot going behind the the little green logo that gets you know that gets thrown around, and then um, you know they they generally started by doing multiple acquisitions, and I know they've done multiple acquisitions across. Now, I think in, in the USA, if some years back, they bought uh, a large product for about 800 million. If yeah, intact. Yeah. 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 And, and, and there's a transformation that's happened. They had a CEO that, that came in. He didn't quite uh, seem to um, um, gel with everything that needed to happen. And um, they had a CEO change again. I mean, there's a lot of transformation that happened in Sage as a, as a good example. In the meantime, their customer base is changing. The the market needs are changing. They need to come up with new product or uh, a new service. They've they've had to almost get move a lot of the older generation out as quick as possible and bring in younger younger blood, if you like. I think, and I'm just throwing stuff out because you know probably more than <laughs> I do. But well, tell yeah, us a bit about that. Is a fabulous business in terms of yeah, if you look at its sort of you know its history in terms of sort of you know where it started, uh, you know, as, as its roots in the northeast, which uh, in terms of Newcastle, where it you know, still has a major hub today uh, and has grown internationally. And uh, Steve Earth is the CEO there now. Has done, you know, done a fabulous job in terms of sort of you know re-energizing. The business and i suppose and they've done it and you know i'm pleased to say that you know i played a small part you know actually twice i've sort of been there sort of twice to help the, mm. the business drive drive forward uh and they've done it by i suppose one being laser focused on who are our clients in terms of a target market so sort of mm. you know, focused very much in terms of the small medium business and how can their their capabilities 
help those businesses be more more efficient and compliant as well. Uh, I suppose a few things have probably happened along the way that have helped them in terms of things like making tax digital, et cetera, in terms of which has forced all of us, <laughs> I'm sure more to come, uh, to uh, to use more sort of technology in terms of how businesses are managing their, you know, their accounts and how their businesses, you know, operate in a seamless way as possible, whether that's from, you know, corporate tax, payroll, VAT, all the things that bring people out in a shudder. <laughs> And, and their mission is to make that as, as seamless as possible. And I suppose from an acquisition point of view, yeah, they bought businesses that helped them then ex expand on those capabilities and intact as a US acquisition was sort of a huge step forward for them in terms of as a you know a cloud-based proposition. Because I suppose if, if you know if they were, were honest, the, the business had uh, probably tried to sort of turn a a bit of a blind eye it's not coming it's not coming to sort of the world of cloud and hosted rather than license based business uh so they they acquired a business that was in that space and used that as their then bridgehead and the, the, the tip of the spear from an integration point of view so there's a great a classic example of i suppose you could almost refer to it sort of a bit of reverse integration in terms of acquiring a business and then use that platform and its capabilities to drive the you know the, the business forward in the in the medium customer segment, whereas in the small customer segment they've done more in a hybrid way in terms of you know developing their own in-house pro mm. product as well as bolting on and integrating. You know, so I suppose they've done a great job in terms of being laser focused on the clients and then working out how to sort of, you know integrate the product. So from a client point of view, it's seamless. Yeah, it's interesting because they went through. I think the the CEO, uh, the original CEO, stepped down. They brought in someone from outside of Sage. Uh, I think a guy by the name of Steve Kelly. I think they brought him in. He was there for a few years, and then Steve Hare, who is who was a Sage. I think he grew up in Sage. I think he's been around for a very long time. He then took took over the helm. I think I think that's was sort of the, the journey that they had taken, which yeah. is a very interesting journey. And and because you know taking part in that whole transformation, transformation was almost thrust upon them in in a lot of ways because they had aging products and so on. So they did acquisitions, but they internally had to do a transformation too. And and I just the reason why I, I mentioned that is because you're a Mister Fix It, right? So so you'll go in and you'll say, you know what? There's there's such a dynamic at play um, between the existing business doing an acquisition of a, let's say, I mean, like an intact, for instance. I mean, that's a, that's a U.S. business. Um, uh, uh, Sage is Newcastle. I mean, it's it's a it's a U.K. You know, I mean, it's probably the biggest uh, software listed entity on the london stock exchange the biggest plc on the on plc yeah. in the london stock exchange but from a global point of view it's probably is only still about four or five percent from a software point of view from a total glo global market share point of view but if you if you go and have a look at the the transformation they've had to do i mean it was internal change it was bringing on new business it was trying to do a whole lot of things all at the same time i mean that must have been quite a project and uh, and if i think about transformation lead design new operating model um you have that on your on your profile and i mean that that's a that's a fascinating um aspect i think if you think there's moving landscape products are changing customers yeah. are are demanding more you're doing acquisitions to try and keep up with technology you're still trying to look after your old customer base where some of the products are probably 30 35 40 years old already um and with lots of legacy customers and then then you also have the new customers coming on board so i mean i just i just imagine that must have been quite a journey i don't know if you if you have any anecdotes around that i mean you don't have to mention any names or anything but do you have any any sort of takeaways from that sort of some something some learnings that you had there uh well i suppose the i suppose the, the first one is be clear on you know what what do we want to be what kind of business do we want to see? you know that north star that everyone can rally behind in terms of you know this is this is the role we're going to play as a business and you know how we're going to add value to to our clients uh yeah i suppose the operating 
model piece is a bit more sort of actually should be like mechanical in terms of how this business is, is going to work and who's going to lead on which aspects of it and how can we do that in the most efficient way possible to ensure that we can you know move as fast as, as as we can because yes in the in the world of sort of technology you know every day lost is you know, there's a day you never get back uh, and in that time there's lots of people and the, the market that sage operates in is highly competitive in terms of you know new entrants and to your point new entrants coming without without the legacy uh, but uh, and then from a culture point of view it's you're getting people to embr embrace that in terms of this is what we're trying to to achieve and making sure then sort of from a leadership point of view then you get the right leadership in place that's all bought into this is the journey because i suppose yes you're right the, the dynamic of a west coast originated cloud-based technology business isn't necessarily the same as one that has you know huge development capabilities in the UK and France as well you know so you know Sage has a sort of a, you know big history as well in, in France as well so you know a lot of sort yeah of with one of them I think one of its products I think the uh, x3 product is very much a French based product and I think there's yes, other products right. yeah, that yeah. are that, that are based or, or developed in in other regions and and so on and I think it's quite an interesting case study could could we shift quickly to um to your current, your Valcom group um, that was formed in March 21, um, that was probably in the middle of the the, the lockdowns and and uh, the mayhem from those from <laughs> from what was busy happening at the time. Tell us a bit about that. Backed by Waterland Waterland uh, Private Equity, um, you know, you being a board member, etc. Tell us a little bit about that story. If there, you know, there any anecdotes or golden nuggets that you can bring out for us over there. Well, yeah, you're right. I suppose if I look at that that period, you think, you know, with everything that was going on in terms of COVID and the lockdown, is that sort of the time that you want to try and bring three different businesses together uh, and rebrand them as as one from a go-to-market point of view? Then probably not. But if I look back from a sort of a, a board in terms of the senior leadership, we came together to sort of bring the business together. I think we actually didn't physically meet i.e. sort of you know being in the same room clearly we met a lot <laughs> but with the power of teams etc you know you could kind of be anywhere for i think it was about seven months wow so literally everything wow. was you know from a sort of a, a cross-border point of view was done thank, thanks to teams and uh, yeah and we you know, were pretty much on the on the teams well, daily at some at some points in the, in in the process and i suppose yeah it proved to me in terms of how much you can achieve uh on the in a virtual in a virtual mm. environment uh so yes it was uh it was quite interesting when we all in the end i think because of various travel restrictions and the countries you could go to and i suppose because we were the the, the problem child in terms of the UK, we had a lot of restrictions about where we could go, if you could remember <laughs> which countries would let us in. Uh, and then, of course, where could you get back into the UK from? So we ended up actually having our first face-to-face -face meeting in Hamburg, of all places, because that was the one that sort of most people could get to and put some people could drive. And from a UK point of view, I mean, you could fly back into the UK and not be stuck in quarantine for months on end. Yeah, so uh, that's uh, I, I unfortunately had one stint in the um, in the hotel eating the boxed food for about fourteen days, which was oh, yeah. very interesting. But um, <laughs> coming back to the um, to the to this, uh, you know, you you talk about achieve the investors in people silver award November twenty one, um, uh, sort of looking at sort of a, a premium operations consultancy combined with the deep digital technology and data management capabilities. Tell us a bit about the company, the, the group. I mean, what, what is the makeup? I mean, what, what makes that company tick and so sort of what kind of customers buy from uh, the Vulcan group? Yeah, and uh, I'm pleased you brought up the investors and people because that's one of the things I think I'm most proud of. That we, again, we managed to achieve that uh, despite COVID lockdown, et cetera, in terms of you know recognition for the for the efforts uh, that we're putting in as a, as a business to ensure that from a career development point of view, uh, everyone on the organi on the organisation you know had a plan and you know we included the title we were investing in them as a, as a business in terms of you know training and accreditations 
to ensure that as, as individuals, then uh, you know, from a career path point of view, that they've always felt that being with Balcom was the right place to be because they were going to grow, both in terms of the you know the projects that they were involved in from a client point of view. Uh, back to our earlier point about you know experience is one thing you can never be taken away from you, so you can do some really interesting things uh, to learn more. But also, you know, the accreditations and the badges, should we say, that you can get as well from either a technology point of, point of view or from a vendor point of view that can uh, help you, you know, grow as, as an individual and uh, do, I suppose, again, grow from a project's seniority point of view and, and then career pro progression. Hmm. In terms of sort of what's at the core of the Valcom business, it's enabling clients to, to digitize and then extract value from the data that that digitization process creates. And that could be anything from machine learning, uh, data science, analytics. So yeah, the, I think that's why sort of digital and data go well together, which I suppose was the ultimately was the sort of the key driver from a you know, purpose point of view. Why are we bringing these businesses together? Because you know, that synergy between digitizing, automating, and then the data you get is where the real value is from a client point of view, because then you could you can leverage that through analytics, data science in terms of to help the business continue to to improve business from a client point of view. I can just I can just picture the the difficulty in that space because you had uh, clients that you would normally get uh, let, let's say let's say pre-pandemic it would have been relatively i mean pe people knew that to move into a digital space i mean it just it but it was going at a at not a snail pace but it was going at a pace that was probably just churning and was 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 gaining momentum and then the pandemic hit and we you know it was all but all over the place and then in the middle of the pandemic or just sort of as i mean this is this is closing near the end um, you know, end of uh, 21. But I mean, when did when did lockdown start? I mean, it was around 2020, early 2021. I'm just thinking, you know, you would have had not just a, I mean, investors in people in that time, but if you think about um, this, the time that you you had to serve your customers when a lot of them were on furlough, potentially a lot of them had an uncertain future to face. A lot of them potentially. I'm just throwing it, throwing it out there. Maybe mm -hmm. you can share a few experiences. Are are thinking, you know, what now? Uh, what if the uh, the lockdowns continue? What if business is no longer the same? Well, it's probably not longer the same anyway. But what if? You know, these are lots of what ifs. And yet, you as a as an organization, you're still saying, look, we 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 getting on with this. This is we we need to help our clients transform we need to help our clients move into a new a new space so what what did you do at that time to sort of differentiate yourself to get in front of people that were half in furlough mode and half in survival mode <laughs> and i don't know if there's another half but yeah but, yeah where, where what, what tell us a, go let's go back a bit and and because it is part of integration because you're saying the world has changed we now 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 re, have to reimagine ourselves we have to reintegrate ourselves into our customer environments i mean that that for me is it must have been one hell of a a journey and if you if you don't mind sharing a bit of that no here we are you're right it was it was a hugely challenging time uh for everyone and you know a lot of businesses were struggling sometimes we're, or, you know we almost take for granted now in terms of the, the basics around virtual working and how to work remotely uh, you know at the time we had uh, a lot of government contracts as well where you know the technology needs to be, to be proven in terms of so we could operate securely uh i suppose if i look at it from a sort of personal point of view that's where you, your, your mobile phone suddenly becomes your your best friend again in terms of being able to call people and talk to people because uh, yeah not everyone was able to move rapidly to either you know teams or zoom or you know other platforms uh, are available uh so i suppose yeah the key for us was ensuring that we keep in regular communication and dialogue. Uh, our mantra at the time very much was that you know, we are, you know, we're open for business. So, you know, from a technology point of view, a lot of the work we were doing was cloud based.
based and by, I suppose by definition then sort of you know remote we had some clients where we did have uh, challenges in terms of accessing systems so we you know, had to sort of work through through those but uh, you know if I look back now it was a, it, I think it was a real rallying call for for us as a, as, as a business in terms of to ensure that we were there uh, to support the customers and, and help them and then have the conversations about okay then well what else can we do to help you automate, digitize, uh, and I suppose that, yeah, there's a lot of new platforms out there, you know, Mendix and you know other loco platforms that can help you, you know, rapidly uh, get new capabilities up and running. And I suppose yes, as much as the pandemic was a hugely challenging time, I think there are now we're out, sort of hopefully coming out the other side <laughs> of it. It's it, I think there's also been a, a catalyst for change for people to think differently in terms of you know the art of the possible in terms of what we can do and how quickly we can get new capabilities up and running and you know a number of organizations are, are moving their digital platforms you know much much more to the front of the business in terms of what they can do in terms of uh, using loco platforms etc as the sort of the bridge between that and the legacy because then you can work you know much much faster in terms of what you can deploy okay it may not be super polished in sort of rev one, but then of course you get something out there and you continue to iterate it. Mm. That's the, the new mantra in any sort of, you know, digital environment is uh, get something live as quickly as you can and then continue to add to it in terms of uh, the capability. Um, get, that's where... get phase one done. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get going. <laughs> yeah, get, get started uh, and then build, build on it. Uh, and I suppose that's where yeah, you get, get momentum and uh, brings me back to the good old sort of, you know ch change equation <laughs> uh, in terms of you know one of the sort of the key multipliers is is initial momentum first steps you get moving demonstrate results and people can see it in action i suppose that is always i think is is difficult in digitization or data science projects is another good one is that sometimes it's half the people sort of visualize the outcome and if you make it a car you can say oh here's the prototype not always quite so easy in other sort of in other yeah, they just see they just see a screen or yeah or they don't <laughs> yeah so uh, sometimes again there's uh, there needs to be that sort of leap of faith in terms of with the, with the client as well as uh with us as an organization in terms of uh being able to sort of you know deliver on the promise and i suppose that comes full circle to what i said you know i think quite early on in the in the conversation it's, it's about people and relationships mm. and you know that's ideally done when you can sort of meet people have a cup of coffee etc but you know there's also a lot you can do now in terms of teams and virtual meetings to be able to sort of you know communicate with people and know that you know we're there we're there with you on the journey and it's the same you know in, in any change environment that you know people need to feel that there are people there that are worrying about it thinking about it and they can talk to yeah, yeah, safe pair problems. of hands, uh, having a sounding board, all, all, all that stuff. I mean, what, what was really interesting is that in that same period, um, uh, you, you, you had done a merger with, uh, I mean, first uh, consulting and uh, Vulcan Nordics, um, backed by private equity, all while you still trying to invest in people, help yep. your clients. You still had to negotiate a, a, a merger. It's, 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 the it's the world of bands. It's and this. And, the, and, and it's like, wow, that's one hell of a feat. But we had but to get, you know, to, great, back to what I was, the point I was making earlier in terms of, you know, Sage, you know, we had a great leadership team. Mm. And, you know, I think I was part of that and was, of course, part of creating that in terms of the mm. uh, HR lead, in terms of, you know, leading the, their efforts in terms of on investors and people, the people we had, you know, leading from a client point of view, uh, and yes, and yeah, we rebranded, uh, integrated from a sort of system point of view, and acquired another. You know, was sort of the, the parting piece of my role was yeah, we acquired another business in the UK as well. Wow, uh, that's just so okay. So I mean, we're nearing the end of the the hour now, and I just want to maybe ask you uh just for the sake of the for the audience is what would you from a from an integrations point of view because you you do a lot of systems based integrations as well as obviously people and and so on if you had to list one or more attributes of of what makes a good integration 
um, or an integrator if you if you had to use that. But you know, what makes a good? What are the attributes? Could you could you list one or more of them? Uh, you know, if 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 I could from sort a, of throw a curve from all a your way point of view, or just generally in terms just of from, from a from a human being point of view. So what you know, why would you choose one person or a team to to be running a, a, an integration as opposed to another? You know, what 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 attributes would you be looking for? For, from an integration point of view? Uh, I suppose that's a, that's a really good question. Uh, I think first thing is, do they do they understand the the vision and the value in terms of what they're trying to create? So, you know, when we get when we get to the end point, <laughs> we're, we're all, you know, we're all heading for the same end point and we all sort of, you know, understand what, what that's going to look like. Uh, and as part of that, what, what do they see as the, the roadmap, not a 2000 line Gantt chart, but more in terms of, you know, what are the building blocks we're going to use to get there in terms of sort of, you know, the big pieces on, on the journey. And thirdly, what they're going to put in place to ensure that we bring everyone with us on the journey. From an engagement point of view, so tons of people talk about, oh yeah, we got you know great engagement plan, but you know when you look at it, all it is going to be is sending newsletters <laughs> or updates by email. So well, I don't think that's really going to get you. Know, how do we make sure that the right communities are involved in mm -hmm. you know in the in the process and they feel like they understand what we're doing, why we're doing it, and you know what it's going to mean for them. And yeah, uh, I suppose sometimes. The, there might be situations where we might have to take a small step back to go forward together and people need to you know understand that we're not doing it just for the you know for the fun of it because if we can bring everyone onto the same platform we're going to get you know the following benefits whatever it is you know collaboration etc uh and i suppose that's the you know the sort of subset of that engagement process you know what, what we're going to put in place through this integration process that allows people to collaborate Particularly, I suppose, across across the lines in terms of between different businesses, client. You know, if there's synergies from a client point of view in terms of you know cross sell, upsell, I think that's really powerful because then you can get different parts of the sort of the two businesses that come together working together on something that's very tangible for everyone, and you're going to try and win some business. That's really really helpful. Uh, but you know, anything that we can do as part of the integration process to make sure that people can collaborate. As I suppose my my parting shot on that, I think one of the things that I can think of that is you could describe as as a little win, but I know it's not straightforward, is how to get people's calendars mm. synchronized. So if you want yeah. to, <laughs> yeah, people want to organise meetings. How can they find out about you know availability of people in different parts of the organisations? So mm. Again, that's from an integration point of view. That's uh, where uh, I would always look first is how do we can people that they can communicate with each other rather than having to send 10 emails saying, oh, are you available on this day and that day? And that, of course, it just becomes too hard and people give up. Yeah. Yeah. It's the telephone tag, as we used to call it in, yeah. in the old days, to try yeah. and, and you leave a voicemail and then you hope someone will phone you back. And in the meantime, the weeks are ticking by and and deadlines are slipping, etc. Yeah. So, so and I went. And I'm not, the, you know, I spend a lot of time in technology product, projects, but I would never describe myself as a technology expert. So I know full well that <laughs> integrating, you know, from an outlook or an exchange point of view, isn't straightforward. But that is always one thing I would look at now. First, about how do we get these systems connected so people can collaborate, talk to each other. Mm. Yeah, it's it's it is a it is a big. Big and it's also again part of transformation. That so so that was you were formerly UKMD uh, group board member at Vulcan. Um, right now, um, what are you doing? You senior strategic business leader delivering turnarounds, growth, and transformational change. So, what what? Let me let me put it this way. So so Adam, if if you uh, you are out there, I'm guessing looking for clients. Are you looking for? people to work with what is, what is it that 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 we can help you with from an audience and and you know from 100 days and beyond point of view what what can we do to to assist you going forward well that's very kind i suppose yeah i, I took the opportunity to sort of step away having sort of you know been through the journey on valcon it was the right time for me to sort of step away so i was very yeah. fortunate to be able to have a bit of time off 
uh, and do all those jobs I've been promising my wife that I would do and hadn't. <laughs> uh, and at the moment, I'm doing some part-time work, helping some a couple of clients in terms of do some, well, one's looking to start a business and the other one's looking to sell part of their business. Mm -hmm. uh, but in addition to that, I suppose, yeah, I'm looking for the next the next challenge, as I said, sort of right at the, the start. I'm the sort of person that sort of runs towards the fire uh, mm -hmm. and wants to help sort of fix things, solve problems, etc. So I'm yeah, involved in a few conversations to uh, to, to see what's, what's, what comes next for me. And that's, you know, for me as well is, is part of the excitement and sometimes not quite knowing for sure what's what's coming next. But I know that, you know, when the right thing comes along, it will be exciting, challenging. And so, yeah, if, uh, if there's anyone out there listening who's got <laughs> got some opportunities, got some challenges, then um, I'm all ears. That's great. So, I mean, if you if if you had to say in a, in, in a few sort of words um, or a sentence or two or so, what what uh, what do you bring to a company? Sort of what what differentiates you from 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 let's say other people that are similar to you? Um, I know you're Mister Fix It. I mean, it's clearly <laughs> your your CV has demonstrated that through and through. But what I mean, if someone said to you, you know what, Adam, what you know, we've got you know three or four guys here in front of us. What would differentiate you? Why why are you as opposed to anybody else? I think first and foremost is my my experience in terms of you know there isn't there isn't much, I'm always open to be told otherwise but I think there's much I haven't seen in 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 my career and that, that you know, I think is the real sort of foundation um, because I've been I've been in the the, the front line whether mm. it's you know sales business development customer care IT integrations so you know I've been literally you know in all roles across across the business and that's you know it's hugely important and i suppose the second thing is that i'm a you know i suppose a hugely passionate person for, for you know for any business in terms of wanting to make it a success and you know i like to think i've got a track record behind me of doing that so it's not just talk uh but uh you know i think i take great pride in helping organizations be successful and the people within it be successful because i think that's the is the real the real test for me is that you know people anyone who sort of works with me can say that oh yeah well Adam really helped me with this he helped me with that and oh, I wouldn't have got to here without that working with Adam so I think that's the the other thing from my point of view is in terms of how do you help people be be successful because as soon as you start doing that then that's when the business is really starting to motor. No, I love that. It's I, not just I think, all. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, exactly. And and I think that struck me when I first met you a few a few days back where. Besides being the guy that runs towards the fire, not a way, you the guy that says there's a fire, let's go and sort it out. Um, I think for me, the what really is, you know, you, you, you've been exposed to so many different facets, just different aspects of business, different types of business. And today, especially with the technology and technology taking a, a large chunk of any type of integration work, any type of any type of role. I mean, if you're in a leadership position, which is clearly your strength, I mean, you're clearly a, a people person, you're clearly a person that can bring people together. Um, I would say those are major differentiators. And 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 I, you know, for me, you know, that, that would be key uh, that people should be looking at when, when, when they sort of wanting to make contact with you. Can they get hold of you on LinkedIn? Is LinkedIn a good place to do that? Yeah, they can. Yeah, I'm... Um... Readily contactable on LinkedIn, no problem at all. And if, if anyone's got you know just wants to talk about some challenges they're facing, one you know, on the <laughs> a shoulder or an ear, then I'm I'm available to okay. have a chat. Because sometimes yeah, people just need to talk it through. Talk it through, and and often I think uh, for leaders and, and people in leadership positions, CEOs, chairs, or any kind of executives, managers, and so on, often just want someone to talk to because. And if they have someone experienced like yourself to to use as a sounding board and to bounce things off, especially with your level of experience, experience and, and and I'm sure your network across uh, you know the this the space is is incredible. So, um, Adam, I wish you absolutely all, all of the best. Thank you very much for joining us today on our on our uh, podcast. Uh, any final words? Any final thoughts? Absolute pleasure. 
appreciate the the opportunity and yeah just to say to everyone on the listening in i hope it was useful and i suppose i repeat what i've said a few times is just keep telling yourself experience is something that no one can take away from you mm. so whatever it is you're going through now at the moment <laughs> no matter how painful don't forget it's, it all goes in the experience bank spoken from a guy that did uh, uh you know did a transaction in the middle of the pandemic the lockdown and still maintained a, a business and integrated systems and so on I mean, unbelievable. Um, Adam, thank you very much. Great guest. Thank you so much. Stay on the line. I just want to say goodbye to everyone and uh, and then I'll come straight back, straight no back problem. to you. Absolute pleasure. Great talking to you. Thank you, Adam. And uh, thank you very much to everyone from, uh, from our audience uh, from 100 Days and Beyond, the podcast focusing on on the special people behind the scenes, the, 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 the leaders, the doers, uh, the Mr. Fix-its, um, and those that have got immense amount of experience. I think if, if, if you look at guys like Adam and, and look across the board at, at the level of, of knowledge and understanding, as soon as you start unpacking and uh, peeling off the, the, the layers, you'll start understanding how, how deep, rich, and broad the knowledge and experience is uh, within the, the community of integrators, of M&A people, and especially of business people that are in this the advice business, if you like, or, or, or the support business. Adam is is also a, um, a technology data, uh, I would not say a technical expert, but definitely I've got a deep understanding of how technology makes a difference in, in businesses and so on. Thank you very much for joining us today. Uh, all the best, and we'll see you on our next episode of 100 Days and Beyond. Have a, have a super day wherever you are, whatever you're doing. Hi everybody, this is Dudley again and if you need help with a future or existing post-merger integration, I want to invite you to arrange a free no obligation meeting with us. During the meeting, we'll find out exactly what you need, what your challenges are and we'll explain how our unique PMI slipstream method can help you. Simply call us or visit mergerintegration.co.uk that's mergerintegration.co.uk or come to our website, skillfulpursuit.com.